Hello, everybody, and welcome to Crossover Thursday from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, Give me a little bit of a different one here. A number one, I always like talking with Kevin Ostrecker of Lockdown Ravens. I am your host, Jeff Lloyd, host of Lockdown Browns. Certainly a little bit different today. Uh, you Ravens fans, as Kevin and I are sitting down, it is victory Wednesday, I guess, um, 2020. Hey, always some new things. Um, so, you know, we'll have our conversation. Obviously, things are going to be a little bit different than they normally are due to the fact that you know, the Ravens are just finishing up a game. Uh, this game will not be till Monday night. And with the craziness of COVID 2020 in the NFL, uh, in the blink of an eye, anything can change as far as any game, as I'm sure. Kevin's listeners know, and my Cleveland Browns listeners know, uh, it's been a very, very difficult year to cover, but we're glad football's here, and we're doing the best we can to get you guys the greatest information week in, week out that we possibly can. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Kevin Ostreicher, host of Locked on Ravens. Um, I think, Kev, and I, we'll start with this. Um, last night had to be a good feeling. Like with all your organization's been through, um, and I guess now I guess you would span it over almost to what, two weeks of real time, all they've been through with their COVID cases. Um, probably besides the Titans, um, you know, maybe on par with the Titans, I should say, the most severe we've seen one team have to go through this situation thus far this season. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Th- this has been a trying time for this Baltimore Ravens organization. There's just as a whole, the coronavirus struck this team hard. I'd, I'd probably even put it above the Titans, in my personal opinion, just because of how many players it seriously affected. The Ravens put out a status on Twitter. They put out a statement that said, look, we had four strains of this thing in our locker room. And really it was one of them was the contagious one. But they also said, look, these players, their families got it. Their kids got it. This is something that really goes beyond the whole scope of football. And it's like, we just want these guys to be safe, be healthy. Mark Andrews, the Ravens tight end who has type one diabetes also caught the virus. And that's something that is Really, really scary, especially for a guy who is deemed a high-risk guy. Now, he's doing well. He just got reinstated from the COVID list, so he will be available for this game. And it seems like the Ravens are just now getting everybody back from their roster who was on the COVID list to play. And we saw against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the Ravens called up 10 guys from their practice squad. They were rolling out guys who hadn't taken NFL snaps before, and they still fought in that game and almost could have won it if it wasn't for a lollipop throw by Ben Roethlisberger that James Washington came down with. But this is – it was one of the definitely the more trying times this organization has had because it all really stems – if the reports are true and are accurate – It stems from one coach who was very lenient with the protocols. He came into work, did not report symptoms, was not wearing a mask. The Ravens had a strength session. This was a strength and conditioning coordinator, and he ends up spreading it to a bunch of guys, and those guys end up spreading it. The Ravens were allowed back in the building even after positive tests were allowed, so it really calls into question, all right, what's the NFL doing here? And then before the game against the Dallas Cowboys, Des Bryant, 20 minutes before game time, ends up getting the call that, look, you tested positive for the virus. The whole thing with that was in the morning, Des Bryant had a test that was inconclusive. They tested him again. That test was also inconclusive. So on the field, they tested him. They got those results back fast. He gets the positive test, but 
can the NFL really justify playing that football game when he was seen hugging guys from the Dallas sidelines and when he was seen hugging former teammates from Dallas? It's really just this year, this 2020 year, has been the ultimate roller coaster ride for the entire league and, and even just take into account if you want to look at Baltimore specifically, the injuries they've had, and look, every team deals with injuries. That's nothing new. But the Ravens with Ronnie Stanley going down, with Nick Boyle going down, Tavon Young in the second week of the year, they've just had guys be injured. Jimmy Smith has really not been healthy the whole year. They have been missing Clay Campbell for a while. He got back in the game in week 13. Same with Brandon Williams. Jeff, it's, it's been a crazy couple weeks here, and it, it isn't over yet with the whole Des Bryant thing, so we'll see how that ends up playing out. But the Ravens, They've gone through adversity before. They just have to power through it here again. Yeah, I think the difficult thing is it's because it's literally, um, and and you know, some people have to. You're, it's almost like you're dealing with it like a stealth bomber with the coronavirus. Um, you know, guys are trying to be as cautious as possible, and then you, like you said, strength, strength and conditioning coach decides to say, uh, I, "I'm better than what." Essentially, the paper I signed saying this is what I'm going to do. If I don't feel well, I am not going to show up. I'm going to wear my mask. You know. 24 seven. And it just goes to show you maybe one person, you know, breaks the chain and how devastating it can be. But with the COVID issues aside, Kev, um, it's not been, you know, week one, Browns took their whooping and it looked like the Ravens just basically came in, set up shop, plugged in and we're, we're back to wherever the last time we saw them, um, you know, obviously playoff game, notwithstanding. Um, but there's been some bumps for this team. It's not always been pretty. Uh, you know, Lamar with uh, an interception last night where you were really like, yikes, the uh, the form on that. And it, it's not been a smooth ride. Granted, seven and five with four to go. Still have, you know, obviously any possibility, you know, you can play to get yourself to the playoffs. But, you know, COVID or not, it's been a little bit of rockiness for this team so far this year. It has, Jeff. It Really, I don't think it's gone smoothly ever since week two when the Ravens took down the Houston Texans in Houston. The Ravens, they're a week one team that is just absolutely insane. I think they've scored over 100 points combined in their last three week one games. So (laughs) that was something where you see that and you're like, wow, this team, they're back to their 2019 form. It's going to be another great season. They've added the pieces to compete. Week two against Houston, they come out there, force some turnovers, take down to Sean Watson and that team. But then they just get obliterated on national television by the Kansas City Chiefs, who seemingly just own the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson has not beat Patrick Mahomes yet in his career, and and that's a tough task for any quarterback. But it's just been a combination of the execution has not been there. The play calling at times has not been there. You, You can factor in injuries if you want to. This Ravens team is right now figuring out who they want to be. And I think part of it is that the Ravens know they can run this football. They know that that's the key to their success. But I think deep, deep back in the Baltimore Ravens' mind, specifically with both Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman, they're like, we want to show you that we can pass this football. We want to show you that we can do it, not just running the football 40 times a game, but we can pass it too. But they don't have the receiving core to do that. They're relying on Willie Sneed as their number one receiver right now, and that's somebody who on most teams, for as great as Willie Sneed has been for Baltimore this year, he's probably a number three, maybe even a number four on most teams. They have Marquise Brown, who has been a disappointment in year two for him, despite having two good games in back-to-back weeks recently. Miles Boykin has been a big disappointment for them in year two as well. They have Des Bryant, although he won't be available for this Browns game because of the coronavirus. So 
it's just been difficult. And it goes to show that, look, we saw what the Cardinals and Bills did with their young quarterbacks. The Cardinals went out there and they acquired DeAndre Hopkins for Kyler Murray. The Bills went out there and they acquired Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen. And that has helped them tremendously, but they're not giving Lamar Jackson enough to work with the offensive line also with the loss of Marshall Yanda and Ronnie Stanley. It just has not been a good year for this offense. And then the defense is playing a bunch of Ben don't break defense. And really what that means for the Ravens is they're going to give up a bunch of short underneath stuff. They're going to let the opponent drive down the field without giving up deep shots and rely on that red zone defense to be able to hold the opponent to three points. And it works if your defense isn't giving up touchdowns, but Baltimore has seemingly struggled in the red zone a bit over these last couple of weeks. And so Baltimore, it has not been an easy year for them. I think there were super, super lofty expectations and rightfully so. I mean, after a 14 and two year with the unanimous MVP, people were of course going to put the Ravens on that pedestal. It's not necessarily the expectations were too big for them. I just think that they suffered a huge loss in Marshall Yonda. Greg Roman's historically been not a great second-year coach in forward. There's been a lot of calls for his head within the Baltimore Ravens faithful and media just because we see the route concepts, and it's a bunch of five-yard outs or slants that don't go anywhere, and it's been tough. The Ravens also have had a penalty issue this year. They have not been great in avoiding penalties. There's at least one illegal formation per game, which just goes to show execution is not there. We're seeing a bit of, you know, it's been an interesting year for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, as has 2020 been for the whole entire league, the whole entire world. And we'll just see where this goes from here. Baltimore has to win their remaining games, in my opinion, the last four of them to make the playoffs. This game against Cleveland, it feels like if they don't win, they wouldn't mathematically be eliminated from, from the playoffs, but it seems pretty likely that they need a lot, a lot of help to get in. Yeah, and it's crazy to think from where this team was first couple of weeks of the seasons that we're actually talking scenarios where, you know, they could end up, you know, on the cutting room floor as far as the playoffs. But it is kind of funny that you said a team that really runs the ball well and then sometimes struggles in the red zone. My Browns listeners sound a little bit familiar, guys. Um, last week, notwithstanding. Uh, we're going to take a break here. We're going to flip it up. Kevin's going to take over the mic. We're going to get you guys some talk on the Browns here. Um, and now Cleveland will be playing two consecutive uh, primetime games, Monday night and the following week, Sunday, uh, in uh, New Jersey against the New York Giants. So, you know, it just goes to show you, you know, you play well. Uh, you know, more teams uh, want to have you around. I mean, sorry, more uh, outlets want to have you in a better uh, viewing spot. So we will certainly – uh, get to that here. Uh, quick word from the sponsor, and then Mr. Ostriker going to take over the table here. The improved Bill Bar is even deliciouser. Now comes in 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Some of the original favorites, mine favorite personally, mint Brownie bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Bill Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-fiber, high-protein, high-fiber. They are great with the keto diet. The flavor profile on your cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Go to BillBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, no space, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Locked.com. We return with our second segment of both Locked on Ravens and Locked on Browns. Kevin Ostriker still here with Jeff Lloyd of Locked on Browns. And Jeff, looking at this Cleveland Browns team, nine and three, second in the AFC North. And look, if you go back to our AFC North crossovers, Jeff, I did say the Browns would be making the playoffs this year. I just said, look, with the talent they have on the roster, a coaching staff that looks to be the right coaching staff for this team, I thought they were going to make some noise, and they have done that so far. In their man at the helm right now at the quarterback position is Baker Mayfield, who has 2,442 yards along with 21 touchdowns to just seven interceptions. Now, Jeff, this Cleveland Browns team, they like to run the football, and they should like to run the football when they have guys like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the football field. How has the run game been able to kind of go hand in hand with Baker Mayfield? Because it seems like the Browns, look, if they run this football effectively, they can go with any team in the league, especially with the guys they have on the ground. So how has the rush game kind of gone hand in hand with Baker Mayfield in order to kind of play two Baker strengths? Um, Well, you got to, you know, last week was a prime example. Um, Now, look, this running game has a reputation. This offensive line has a reputation about how well they run block so you get the opportunity, and Kevin Stefanski, with the passing game being a lot of it based off play action. This running game has this reputation now. So you get into these situations where teams, and because people may think of Baker Mayfield, whatever they do, you look at this team and you say, what's the first thing we got to take away? we got to take away Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Let's try and make Baker Mayfield beat us. Understandably so. This is what the Tennessee Titans try, uh, tried to do Sunday. You, uh, If you go to uh, the Donovan's People Jones touchdown, uh, you know, Dan Orlowski did a fantastic breakdown of it. They had 10 guys within the box. The ball is snapped. Nine guys are moving forward. They are literally just assuming it's a run play. It's 13 personnel. Obviously, it gives a look of something the Browns normally are going to run out of. Uh, you get uh, a great fake from Baker, and the running backs are doing a great job of carrying out their play-action fakes. Um, they're great players to begin with, but when you see the little things and tendencies like that happen – and it happened later in the game uh, on the uh, tackle eligible to Kendall Lamb. When everybody's dialed in, bought in to sell a play, Donovan Peoples-Jones got one-on-one coverage. Sell this five-yard out and beat the guy. You were a much, much better athlete. He does. Baker's got time to get deep in the pocket, get himself a nice crow step, fire a deep ball, and there's Donovan Peoples-Jones. Baker Mayfield is a rhythm guy. He always has been, whether it's good or bad. He gets bad rhythm periods. And he gets really, really good rhythm where it's been for now five and three quarters games since Odell Beckham Jr. went down in the Cincinnati Bengal game. And Kevin Stefanski started talking about this four or five weeks ago and around the bye. Look, I think he's really getting there to where he is going to break out and the numbers are going to increase and the mistakes are going to go down. There were a couple of rough stretches. The, the Browns played three games within a month we're all weather related and I'm talking wind and rain rain doesn't really bother anybody snow doesn't really bother anybody wind is you know the absolute you know roll of the dice you have no idea what you're going to deal with with it um it certainly aided them in those games defensively and it hurt them obviously on offense um but he's really getting there right now and there's so many discussions about you know is he a better quarterback without L. Beckham Jr it's just not time to have those conversations right now. It's, you know, we're going to enjoy nine and three and we're going to evaluate what's going on week in, week out. But where this puts it is if they go 13 personnel or you're playing wide receivers like Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, guys you never thought that would be taking this many reps at this point of the season, 
It gets you back to where Baker Mayfield was good in 2018. It didn't matter who you are. It didn't matter, you know, if you were, granted, he didn't really only had Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, it didn't matter. He was going to throw the ball to the open man. And when he can just focus on that, he is, you know, above, you know, I wouldn't say you're going to put him within the top 10, but he's knocking on the door of one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. When he can just read, react, and throw, when he does that, he's an excellent quarterback. He's got great ball placement. He's got great accuracy. And the guys are starting to fight for him. You know, when you see it, you know, when like most of the balls are on time, and then all of a sudden there's one a little offline. Guys are going the extra mile because you want to know why? You do that. Next opportunity, you get open, he'll throw it again to you. And it's, it's great to see other guys getting involved. And it's still weird to me because we have never seen this tight end unit really be what I think they could be for what the Browns have invested in it. I don't think Austin Hooper's over 300 yards receiving this year. Harrison Bryant, he's had some nice moments, but he's had a couple of key fumbles. David Njoku, there's times where you really think he's getting it, and then there's a key drop where you just, ah. Oh. But Baker Mayfield and ingratiating himself. Odell is an electric personality. But as far as what do you want to be the electric personality of your offense, you always want it to be your quarterback. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jeff. And, you know, every, every quarterback has their weaknesses. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson has his, Baker Mayfield has his, Patrick Mahomes has his weaknesses. But the making of a good team is being able to play to your quarterback's strengths, build a system around him. And you know, oh, well, he's just a system quarterback. I think that's what you want. You want somebody who can get into your system, who your strengths can be able to be magnified. And when you're a quarterback and, you know, talking about this Cleveland Browns team, this is a team that, yeah, they run the football. They sell out to stop that run. Baker Mayfield gets those one-on-ones with his receivers. And if he just puts those on the money, this Cleveland Brown team is very hard to beat. But, Jeff, I do want to talk about this Cleveland Brown defense. Miles Garrett, obviously the heart and soul of it with 10 and a half sacks. The next closest to him in the sack department is Olivier Vernon with five. Now, it seems like the offense, look, they, they can carry a game for Cleveland definitely. But I think it's been the defense that has had the majority of the issues at times this year for this Cleveland Browns team. How has the defense looked in your eyes, Jeff, in what have they improved upon or have kind of taken a step back with ever since the Ravens saw them in week one? Um, I think they've, I will say they, imp- they have improved. Um, but the question is, is, you know, is it necessarily the players themselves or is it the defensive coordinator? Joe Woods, um, look, when you say, you know, your team's going out there and now keep in mind the Jaguars game, Ronnie Harrison goes out first defensive snap of the game. So now you're playing without Miles Garrett, you're playing without Denzel Ward, and you're playing without Ronnie Harrison. Right now, there is not a Browns fan anywhere. If you ask him who are currently the Browns' three best defensive players, they may switch the order on Denzel Ward and Ronnie Harrison. But right now, the three best defensive players for the Cleveland Browns are Miles Garrett, Ronnie Harrison, Denzel Ward. Ronnie Harrison won't be there Monday night. Still maybe holding out hope on Denzel Ward. But the thing is, the Browns have been really, really smart and cautious. Even if a guy was like close enough to go, their th- their theory has been, you know what, take the extra week. I'd rather have you back for the next five weeks as opposed to something funky happening, and you're only back for a half. Um, so I don't know on Denzel Ward, but Joe Woods has taken and it, it, it's been amazing. You know, Olivier Vernon. You talk about those five sacks. Um, three of those was in a game that Miles Garrett was out, 
So he had a monster effort against Philadelphia Eagles, earning Defensive Player of the Week. Um, when he's healthy, he's still good, um, but he's kind of always kind of got like a ding or something. Um, and he'll play at 85, 90%. There's no question about it. But you always notice that he's he's just not the player he can be when you know he's closer to 100%. The linebacking unit. Um, this was something in the year, and we covered it all offseason, where the Browns basically – it's not that they didn't address it. It's not in their scope financially. Their theory is let's get five or six guys. Um, we'll throw five, six million dollars at the position and we'll weed out between the five and six guys who can do what, how we'll use who and so and so. There were injuries earlier in the year. Uh, Mac Wilson was late, you know, starting the season. Uh, Jacob Phillips has been in and out of the lineup now, already had two separate instances where he was out for three weeks. Um, veteran Malcolm Smith has been a nice addition, had a really nice week against Tennessee. Um, but that's because Tennessee had to throw the ball a lot. Malcolm Smith is not somebody you really want involved with the run game. It's never been what he did well. And certainly at his age now, it's not something he does well. BJ Goodson has been a surprise. Um, and I think this is one thing that's kind of made everything work here is um, you, you, you're Mike linebacker. He's going to be on the field all the time. Um, and he makes all the calls and he's the rah-rah guy. We'll celebrate when we celebrate. We're going to get in the huddle in two seconds, get ready for the next down. Um, for $2.4 million, I think they've really gotten a nice return on the investment on B.J. Goodson. He's a leader. He gets this defense lined up, and God knows every time you turn around, B.J. Goodson looks to his left or right. There's different bodies out there. So he's done a great job quarterbacking, you know, uh, manufacturing guys, making helping guys out who maybe weren't sure, oh, now there's a motion. Do I step up? Do I step back? Do I step out? And B.J. Goodson has been there. Secondary-wise, it's it's been a crapshoot. I mean, look, you're talking about Terrence Mitchell right now being your cornerback number one. It's not that Terrence Mitchell isn't a decent player, um, but, you know, way, way out of the conversation is talking about a, a cornerback number one. Uh, the safety position, you know, Grant Helpett, obviously lost for the season. You know, never really got a chance to even see him. A couple of practices in the summer. Ronnie Harrison, you made the trade for him, brought him in. He's looked really, really good, but another guy out. So now you're back to Andrew Sandejo. You're back to Carl Joseph. And, you know, these are, there's reasons these guys are on one year, two million prove-it deals. Well, I would say for Joseph, not so much Sandeo, you know, 10-year veteran. They just not, you know, Sandeo is, he is what he is, and you're asking him to play a lot of deep free safety. I mean, a scenario where, uh, you know, Hollywood Brown could be deep and Andrew Sandeo's got to deal with him, because that may happen. It's, I mean, it's enough for you to just, you know, basically, you know, grab the tequila and grab the, grab the tumps at the same time. Uh, but I think this is Joe Woods. He's got everybody to buy in. They're getting better as the weeks go on. Uh, you know, last week, obviously, the big stop on fourth and inches of Derrick Henry, making it a 10-0 game. Sheldon Richardson knocks a ball loose. Now you got it, you know, in the red zone on their side. Boom, 17-0, uh, you know, 16 minutes, 16 minutes into the game, and you got Tennessee over there going, well, there goes what we do best because what we do best is, you know, run behind Derrick Henry. And similar to the Cleveland Browns, we run play action off our run game. You kind of took that away from them. They're playing tough. They're playing inspired. They get after the quarterback. They create turnovers. It, there's not a lot of talent there yet, which really excites me for what the future of Joe Woods could be. And I hope he's still here and somebody doesn't snipe him in, in some capacity, somehow, some way, because when he really gets the talent that he wants on this defense, it, it could be really, really scary. Yeah, this Cleveland Browns defense, definitely, I think – Miles Garrett is the piece there, but you have a lot of guys who are contributing at high levels. I mean, you mentioned Sheldon Richardson play, playing out of his mind against the Tennessee Titans. It's just those type of pieces who really bring a defense together. You give up, I believe, a fifth-round pick for Ronnie Harrison before the yep. season starts. 
I mean, that's a bargain deal. There were guys who wanted him in Baltimore, and he goes to Cleveland. And oh, you got been, Calais he, Campbell. You right, guys, are yeah, okay. you know, we, 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 <laughs> kind of, we kind of pushed our luck with the one Jaguar on a, on a bargain trade. So you know, getting two was probably a little bit out of the reach of us. But still, it was something where guys like that build a defense. You can have the stars with Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward when he's healthy. But it's the guys like a Ronnie Harrison or like a Sheldon Richardson, even a BJ Goodson, who you mentioned, who make a defense work. But we'll head into our final break. And when we get back, we'll be talking Ravens and Browns still. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back. Now's a fantastic time to everybody here, whether it's Locked On Ravens, whether it's Locked On Browns, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Five star ratings, written reviews, they're always appreciated. As Kevin and I are here, busting our butts for you guys, day in, day out, uh, with your daily coverage of the Cleveland Ra- uh, Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Do not forget to check out the NBA season preview. Obviously, NBA kicking off soon here. Uh, all our brothers and sisters over on the Locked On NBA network, busting their butts, getting ready to hopefully bring you the best coverage. And it's so crazy because, I mean, it almost seems like the NBA just ended, which it did. But here we are back again. Um, Kevin, uh, with four weeks to go, uh, seven and five, you know, Cleveland sits here at nine and three. You have that whole Tennessee, Indianapolis, Miami lurking around in the weeds. I think we're pretty confident in who's winning these divisions. Uh, I think we're safe to say the Kansas city chiefs are going to win their division. Uh, I'm sorry. I think we're pretty confident in the Pittsburgh Steelers winning their division. I think we're pretty confident in the Buffalo bills winning the East. And then there's that whole hodgepodge of everything left, whether it's Indianapolis or Tennessee, Cleveland, Baltimore, Miami. How do you think this all works out at the end? Yeah, Jeff, this is something where it's really difficult to predict all of it because there are so many things that go into effect with tiebreakers and with strength of schedule and divisions and in conferences. There are quite a few competitive teams in the AFC this season. And when you look at it, Maybe there weren't a lot of teams at the beginning where people said, oh, these are playoff contenders versus, oh, these are not playoff contenders. But we've really seen a shift in the balance here, especially with the huge seven seed that has come for this 2020 season. That's big for a team like Baltimore, who right now stands at seven and five and is looking from the outside in at this moment. In terms of how do I think this is going to work out? You know, from from a Baltimore perspective, because, you know, that's what I do over here. There is something <laughs> that is, is a little bit worrisome about how the playoff field is taking shape right now. But at the same time, there is a lot of hope for the Ravens. And what I mean by that is, yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the Ravens, for their part, are mathematically eliminated from winning the division. Really, Cleveland is the only team who has a chance to catch them right now. Then you have the Chiefs and the Bills. And then you mentioned whoever it is between Indianapolis and Tennessee it's a big factor for the Ravens because the Ravens beat the Indianapolis Colts. So they have that tiebreaker. They did not beat the Tennessee Titans. So they do not have that tiebreaker. So if Baltimore and Indianapolis and Tennessee, you know, all finish with the same record, which seems decently unlikely at this point, if Tennessee and Baltimore are vying for a wild card spot and they have the same record, Tennessee gets it. If Indianapolis and Baltimore are vying for the same wild card spot, Baltimore gets it. I personally don't see the Raiders or the Dolphins making the playoffs. Miami has a decently tough schedule. The Raiders have an insanely hard schedule, 
coming up. You look at Miami's schedule, they have to play the Chiefs next week. They have a date with the Raiders a few weeks later in the Bills in week 17. And then the Raiders, they also have to play a bunch of different really hard games. So if, if anything was indicative of how they performed against the New York Jets, if Greg Williams doesn't call that cover zero at the end of the game, which is just <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, it, it should have cost him a job, and it, and it absolutely did cost him his job. But now looking back, and I know you're a, Jet, a Jets guy, Jeff, so I know that might have hurt you a little bit, so I apologize. But at, at the end of the day They've been here, dead to me for years, Kevin. They've been <laughs> dead to me for years. Oh, man, it, it must be tough over there. But at the end of the day – this playoff picture, again, I don't see Miami making it. I think New England ends up getting knocked out over the last or over the next couple of weeks here. So it really comes down to Tennessee, Cleveland, and Baltimore and Indianapolis for these final spots. And if we look at it, let's say Miami and Baltimore switch places where Miami becomes nine and Baltimore becomes six. At that point, it doesn't matter if Baltimore gets in or not. It matters where the actual seedings come. Now for Cleveland, their hope is that they can beat Pittsburgh in week 17, I believe. I don't I don't know how how fans are feeling over there about the potential of maybe catching Pittsburgh if they can snag a win out from under them in week 17, how that actually works with tiebreakers and in the like. But for Cleveland, I, I see them firmly entrenched as the five seed. I mean, the Giants, they present their problems, but I think Cleveland will be able to handle them. The Jets, I think that's a uh, you can chalk that up as a W for Cleveland, but I, I think it'll be Cleveland at five and then some combination of Baltimore, Indianapolis, and Tennessee with the six and seven C's, depending on who wins the South. Now, I think a lot of teams want to play Pittsburgh, actually. I, I don't think Pittsburgh is a team that scares a lot of people at this point. Um, the Ravens exposed some things playing with pretty much their practice squad on Wednesday afternoon. And then against the Washington football team, we saw a few things there. But I think, I mean, as it stands right now, Cleveland will play Tennessee again. And if the matchup last week is in Nashville again, way, yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if the last week's game between those two teams is any indication of how that game would go, I think Cleveland is going to be pretty happy. Um, I, I kind of agree with you for the most. I agree with you for the most part. Um, and I'm sure. That, look, there are Browns fans who are, you know, maybe thinking there's possibly. I'll be honest with you. I would rather the opportunity where Week 17 meant nothing. Um, you know, where Pittsburgh comes in and says, you know, here's the B squad essentially, um, because somehow, some way they either know they're solidified as number two or solidified as number one. We'll see, uh, you know, obviously with games to play on that front. Um, Indianapolis, I, if they even make the playoffs, I, I, I won't understand how. Um, the whole Phillip Rivers thing just never really matriculated like they thought it was going to. Um, I certainly think they're going to be a contender for a Carson Wentz, a Sam Darnold, something of the ilk, whatever goes down, whichever way. Um, and I think for the Browns to get the number five seed, I think they just have to split uh, the, the, these next four games. Um, obviously, I know my listeners would like a win over the Ravens, would love a win over the Steelers. And there's certainly you know pictures you can paint that you could say. I mean, we don't know exactly where you know your team is totally are they totally back um you know and obviously as we all know the cowboys are certainly not a measuring stick right now um for anybody um and then you look at uh you know things like you know will ronnie harrison be back um you look at both games against the jets and giants i'll be honest with you i you know i, I know the giants are playing better um but you're going to bring daniel jones back who you know can't seem to hold the ball against a good pass rush and guess what cleveland will bring they'll bring a good pass rush um, and then, you know, Giants fans, oh, well, look at that D-line. Yeah, okay, well, I'm bringing the number one pass blocking group, and I'm bringing the number one run blocking group. 
So that's great. Your D-line's great. Fantastic. Um, but we're bringing this offensive line with us. Um, so for me, and what I can just keep saying now, all they got to do is split. They, and, and the craziest thing, Kevin, is they split. They go 11-5. and 11-5 from 6-10 and 10 to 11-5. and five. Amazing, amazing effort by every, you know, everybody here. And, you know, still Browns fans that are, you know, trying to find any which way to critique anything. And it's like, guys, you just had your second four-game winning streak this season. And you were looking ways to pull holes into it. This hasn't happened since 1967 for the Cleveland Browns to have two four-game winning streaks in one season. Guys, just let enough alone right now, man. Enjoy it. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is something where for Cleveland, it's uncharted territory, but it's territory that they should really enjoy. I mean, they, they have so much talent on their roster. I think, you know, looking at this matchup, Jeff, both teams very talented. Obviously, we don't know a ton about what's going on, but I think it's going to be a good one regardless here. My first thing, and this is what we're starting to say every week on crossovers. I hope the game plays as scheduled. Um, <laughs> let's let's just hopefully be able to play Monday night. Um, <laughs> and, you know, with your Ravens, uh, you know, I, it appears almost everybody's going to be back. Uh, the Browns who had, you know, their COVID scare, which is minute compared to uh, what the Ravens went through. Uh, everybody should be back, ready to go at that point. The only question we're going to have is Wyatt Teller right now who uh, you know, has a close personal contact, I guess. And, you know, I just hope it's not his girlfriend. Um, uh, you know, I speak with the Teller family, great, great people. Um, as long as he can string together his, you know, negative tests, uh, Wyatt Teller will be there. I'd most certainly rather have Wyatt Teller, the number one graded right guard in the NFL by PFF, as opposed to Chris Hubbard. So fingers crossed for that for my Browns listeners. Um, but that will put a bow on this. Um, and I told you guys, it was going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're, it's a Monday night game this week. Uh, and of course, Baltimore just played last night. So, you know, Kevin's still got, you know, his week is all in flux as far as, you know, the schedule, his episodes that you're, I'm sure you guys are used to. It'll be similar for my Browns listeners next week. Um, but he, we're just here. And look, we have ball, everybody. We're trying to appreciate it, enjoy it the much we can. He is Kevin Ostriker. He is host of Locked on Ravens. Again, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review. Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked on Browns. Again, you guys know where to find everything. Oh, we're just here uh, day in, day out, daily, minimum five days a week. Uh, Locked on Ravens, Locked on Browns, just trying to do the best job we can for you. This will conclude Crossover Thursday on the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you all for being along for the ride, and I'm sure we'll all be around on social media for Monday Night Football as the Baltimore Ravens come to Cleveland.